Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and I am so thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking today at Nebuchadnezzar II, and we're going to be using the popular handbook of the Bible and archaeology by Holden and Geiser, kind of as our base textbook. I've used it for a long time, Indiana Bible College, so... Just a real suggested book. It's a great book for evangelism as well. So let's get started. We're on pages 269 through portions of 271. Starting a new chapter, chapter 28. Please listen to other podcasts on various subjects. And, you know, I usually use a base text. I've gone through the Premier Study Bible, of which I did the archaeology for that. And Open Bible, Thompson Chain Reference Bible, some resources from Rose Publishing, and uh, of course, tons of various and sundry online. Really recommend like Biblical Archaeology uh, Review is good. Um, I'm looking at getting a subscription. Man, I, I overlooked it the other day. Somebody sent me a deal online to get Archaeology Magazine for five bucks a year. And I missed it, so I went to Amazon to do it. It was like 20 bucks, so, yep, I hadn't done it yet. <laughs> so let's get started. Wonderful World of Biblical Archaeology. I think the Associates of Biblical Research has a great YouTube channel. Sergio and Rhoda does. Genesis History does. But, uh, okay, so discoveries involving King Nebuchadnezzar II and, as the Word of God says, it was the greatest kingdom, and he the greatest king of the greatest kingdom from then until now. Several excavations during the past two centuries have yielded enough archaeological data to construct an accurate portrayal of the Babylonian Empire in general, the life of Nebuchadnezzar II in particular, such as the fact, I think they found 15 million bricks with his name on it. Pretty incontrovertible evidence there. These finds have all but silenced the critics' claim that the history described in scriptures is in conflict with actual ancient Near Eastern history. So let's keep going here. As the Assyrian Empire began to weaken in the late 7th century BC, the 600s, the Babylonians, also known as the Chaldeans or Neo-Babylonians, increased in strength through their many successful military campaigns in the West. By 626 BC, the Assyrians were fighting a losing battle with the Seminomadic Scythians and Sumerians, C-I-M-M-E-R-I-N-S, from the north, also successful in wresting vast western regions from uh, Assyrian control. Assyrians still exist um, in Babylonia. Man, it existed for well over a millennia from this point we're reading about. In that same year, Nebuchadnezzar, 626 to 605 B.C., captured Babylon and all its territories in southern Mesopotamia. By 612 B.C., the Chaldeans under Nabopolassar had allied with the Medes north of the Tigris River to defeat the Assyrians at Nineveh and bring an end to their empire. See Nahum for that. Also, Nineveh's excavations are amazing, and Jonah, his archaeology is incredible, too. I've done some podcasts on that. By the late 7th century B.C., the fall of Assyria had left a power vacuum that several of the surrounding nations sought to fill, including Egypt. Even before Nabopolassar's death in 605 B.C., his son Nebuchadnezzar II, 605-562 B.C., 
Isn't it amazing? Like, he died at around 43. Uh, you know, Alexander the Great dying at 33. And, and both of them are considered, they're biblically seen as two of the three greatest kingdoms ever. Had ambitiously moved his armies to the west in an attempt to establish his Babylonian kingdom as the new world power. In 609 BC, Nebuchadnezzar defeated Pharaoh Necho, or Pharaoh the uh, Cripple, Egyptian's army at Carchemish near the Euphrates River. See Jeremiah 46, among others. This is death of Josiah there, if I remember correctly. It's famous in, in biblical and even in secular history. In pursuit of the Egyptians, Nebuchadnezzar had to travel through Israel till, toward Egypt. Thus he swept into Jerusalem making its king, Jehoiakim, also known as Josiah's son, Jehoahaz, a vassal leader. This time Daniel, along with many other Judeans, were departed to Babylon, where he and his people would spend the next 70 years in captivity. Taking a drink there from my throat, and so of water. And so there were three different Babylonian captivities, 606, 597, 598, and 588 to 586. Daniel knew the captivity to be 70 years because he read Jeremiah the prophet as scripture. That's fascinating to me. In the first decade of the 6th century BC, Jehoiakim rebelled against Babylon and stopped paying tribute, which only invited a siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar's army a short time later. Upon Jehoiakim's death during the siege, Jehoiachin was established as the new king. I've got so many notes and underlinings around in here. Um, he offered his surrender to Nebuchadnezzar three months later. As a result, Jehoiachin and his family, royal officials, and 7,000 craftsmen, as well as some 10,000 captives, were deported to Babylon, as reported in 2 Kings 24. After he had spent 37 years in a Babylonian prison, Babylonian king Evil Merodach from 562 to 560 BC would release Jehoiakim from prison to sit the king's table and provide him with an allowance of rations according to his needs for the rest of his life. That's also been confirmed archaeologically. Nebuchadnezzar installed Josiah's son Zedekiah, 597 to 586 BC, also known by his Hebrew name Mataniah, as his new vessel king. Zedekiah reigned nine years before he rebelled against Babylon, thus provoking Nebuchadnezzar to bring his armies near to Jerusalem for a third time. This is found in 2 Kings 25. On his way, Nebuchadnezzar had to decide whether to attack the rebellious Ammonites or to proceed to Jerusalem. Thus, according to Ezekiel 21, Nebuchadnezzar consults the dividing power of his gods by shaking the arrows, and reading the liver, a common occult practice in Babylon. In Ezekiel, um, let me uh, back up here. And it then becomes clear he must proceed to Jerusalem first. In route, he overruns uh, Lachish, Ezekiel, and the Judean military outpost along the way, the famous Lachish letters. Finally coming to Jerusalem where he will besiege the capital for nearly 18 months. Jeremiah 52, among others. 586 B.C., Zedekiah's refusal to heed the words of Jeremiah brought a fiery destruction upon the city, the execution of his own sons at Riblah, destruction of Jerusalem's population and Solomon's temple, 
and his blinding last thing he ever saw was his family being killed. The rule of the Davidic dynasty in the Hebrew nation had come to an end. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar looted Jerusalem of its valuables, including the precious vessels from the temple, which he carried back to Babylon. Can't appreciate Holden and Geisler. It's wonderful. Um, informational, but uh, Spartan writing style. No extra flowery language. Prior to the death of 562 BC, Nebuchadnezzar had engaged in a massive building campaign that is preserved in the archaeological record. Features that today are spread uh, over several hundred acres. The city of Babylon is said to have covered an area of over 3,000 acres with defensive walls wide enough for at least two chariots to travel side by side. Its splendor is reflected in the Ishtar Gate entrance to the city and the city's architecture. Boy, the history of Ishtar is fascinating, which are unrivaled in detail and beauty. Supporting wall that ringed the city was impressive 10 miles long. The city was divided in half by the north-south flow of the Euphrates River, kind of like Buddha and Pest, Budapest. The outer walls of the inner city were circled by a moat that was filled from the Euphrates, making the defensive fortifications even more difficult for potential enemy to penetrate. After the brief reigns of evil Meredek, Nergal Sharizer, and Labashai Marduk, 556 BC, a high royal officer known as Nabonidus and his co-regent son Belshazzar came to the throne, Daniel 5. According to historical records, Nabonidus was driven by his desire to rebuild the temple of his god Sin in Haran. And Sin, the moon god, is ubiquitous for millennia in the Middle East. So much say to this day. Thus he was most often away from Babylon, leaving his son Belshazzar as king. The more aggressive and strengthened Persian army under Cyrus II was slowly capturing more territory uh, in southern Mesopotamia and eventually claimed Babylon itself in 539 B.C. And that's an amazing historical feat diverting the Euphrates River. Herodotus explains the capture of Babylon occurred with little violence because the Persians diverted the Euphrates and entered through the riverbed. Now, you know, in Revelation, the 200 million man army comes from the east, and evidently the Euphrates is shut off for that to happen. And then there's locusts that come out of Euphrates. well-known story according to Daniel 5 of Belshazzar's banquet feast, the mysterious writing on the wall is said to occur on the same night the city fell to the Persians and Belshazzar was killed. Because of Daniel's interpretations, he was promoted to third ruler in the Babylonian kingdom. As a result of the fall of the city, the Babylonian empire came to an end. There are good reasons to accept the biblical account of Nebuchadnezzar II and his dealings with Israel during the 11th century and early 6th centuries BC. The following discussion includes several of those resources, and it is fascinating. So I just want to say, God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And the Bible is just shown true over and over. And if you've got a meticulous mind like a Robert Dick Wilson or something, somewhat of a polymath, and you can focus on the details, you can really take your Bible, start in Genesis 1, and turn page by page 
and have confirmations on almost every page, and in some cases, multiple confirmations per page. I remember teaching biblical archaeology at Indiana Bible College, and I think the furthest we ever got in the class was like Second Kings, because there was of the wealth of information. It was just a two-hour class. But anyhow, God bless. Thanks for being with us. Pray for us. Share with your friends, family, neighbors. Leave us a five-star review. And uh, we'll talk with you later. God bless you. Bye-bye.